there are people within the intelligence community that knew who Donald Trump was and what his mission was before he won the election. And um, Malcolm's one of them, and he's been very public about saying it. And I didn't meet Trump. I've never met Trump, but I've been in his presence. Um, and it was very clear to me, this was in the 80s. In fact, I think Ray might have been with me on that occasion. We could even bring that up if you like. And, and, and Jay dealt with everybody from Don King downwards. And I've been in a room with Don King and uh, 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 Mike Tyson and all those guys. Uh, 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 and he ran um, uh, Evander Holyfield's career. I've been in the room with all those guys. So that's how far back this all goes. And he opened the door, sadly, to something in the American psyche, which is very ugly. So, Mark. Yes. Nisara, <laughs> National Economic Security and Recovery Act. Okay. Um, there's also Gisara, which is the same thing, but globally. Now, a lot of people, I, I chatted with a gentleman, uh, Dr. Charlie Ward on this, and I keep getting people say, Chris, so Chris, do you, do you still agree with, with Charlie? on, on And, and I, I say, dude, dude, dude. I'm a podcast host. I, I have people on my show. That that I that doesn't mean I sanction, you know, whoever. I'm, and I'm not specifically pointing at Charlie. What I mean is I like to get people that are, I like to get the narratives coming up that are going on in life. Because if all we do is listen to the same shit that we like, whether that's conspiracy, what you're living in an echo chamber. You just get people feeding it back to you and you think, yay. The loop. Yeah. I'm massive on understanding the money system. It's why I flash this book up a lot. Babylonian Woe talks about how the system of money was subverted from what it originally was, which was just a simple system of exchange. You know, I give you five shells. You come and build a wall for me. Uh, or, or no, you come and build a wall for me. I'll come and you know, paint your kitchen. Oh, I can't paint the kitchen. Look, there's there's five shells. This this represents that commodity of work. You could take those shells to the adjacent territory, country, whatever, and it's recognized system of exchange. And then, of course, we started getting ledgers and, and accountancy and interest and inflation. And um, um, and off the whole back of this, we change the role of leadership and people in positions of power whether that's like religion or kings queens to rather than look after the people which is what their job is it's actually how much money have i got in my in my vaults how, how much gold how much silver then they're clever enough to get rid of the gold and silver and still keep fooling people with this paper that, that isn't even backed by backed by anything you say, a, I promise to pay the bearer on demand. <laughs> yes, it, exactly. This is why when people say to me, you know, Chris, Nisara, is this economic reform, is it coming in? Are they going to get rid of, uh, you know, they're going to abolish interests on secured loans? Uh, they're going to return to a to a metallic currency, you know, a backed by a metallic currency, um, 0% inflation. Sorry, I'm just looking at the screen here. Um I say, guys, this money system has been in place 8,000 years. Like, what, what about that don't you understand? The, 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 the powers that control it are very, very good at stifling all opposition. And so, no, if you ask me, um, I don't think it's going to come around. If you, are, if, 
if you ask why I chat to people about this, who might have a completely different view from me. That because I think that's how you learn. Right? So um, what are your views on e e economic reform, digital currency? Where's it all taken us, Mark? Well, I, I'm not an economic expert, as you probably noticed during the course of our conversation. Um, and certainly uh, when it comes to this, I, I, I don't know about Nisara. Or is that, I don't know whether Nisara is a British thing, you know, um, uh, uh, or the other one. It may be a, an American it, thing. I it don't came know. up in the 90s. It was uh, a guy, Harvey Francis Barnard. Um, he uh, claimed that this system would, you know, level the playing field. It would get rid of, I'm, I'm guessing essentially stop us all being wage slaves, mortgage slaves, this yeah. kind of thing. And of course, the economy being slave to the bankers who control it with the interest, you know, like the old puppet show. Um, it has been argued that this was going to be put in front of Congress and this kind of thing. And then the Bushes managed to stifle it. But I don't even go that deep, Mark. I just say, like, really? What, we're going to suddenly start living in utopia when all we've all I've ever known for 51 years is is money, you know, money slavery. Um, but but well, yes. I, the, the only thing I comment on, it, it used to be like the British and American system used to be on the gold standard. So you're and it was like you rightly just said the gold standard was brought in so that an international currency like the dollar um, would be able to say, like it says on the actual piece of paper, I promise to pay the bearer on demand. So if you want something from somebody else around the world to guarantee something like Britain had to borrow God knows how many millions from the Americans during the Second World War, um, that they were able to say, we can pay our debts. If we you send us liberty ships, we promise you we'll pay for them. It may take 50 years to pay it off, which it did. But they Britain was able to say yes, because we had these reserves in gold. You know, so they're able to do that. And so for a long time, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have anything else. Well, well we had telegrams and stuff like that. So that's how trade was guaranteed, was by the gold standard. We then gave that up. So Britain, I don't think, is even on the gold standard. America's not on the gold standard. I mean, you hear all kinds of stories that Fort Knox um, is actually empty. There's no gold reserves there at all. I do believe that Britain sold all its gold reserves a little while ago, some years ago. So Britain really doesn't have anywhere near the gold reserves that it used to have. I don't know. And I think the idea of moving to cryptocurrency, however, is a way of trying to have an international global currency control mechanism whereby everything's done online, can be monitored online um, and will be just one sort of type of currency and that can be manipulated then that's more scary to me than a pound note or a dollar bill. But now, can I just chip in, if it's regulated by a blockchain, would, would that help? I, I, I honestly don't know. I guess it could, who controls the blockchain? Well, that's the idea of blockchain, isn't it? Is it's a ledger, but it's you contributed to by many different uh, many different parties. So, not one person can dominate it as they can the current system. Well, what if, if anybody was to try to, it's immediately traceable because it's a it's a. No. Well, what happens is China, for instance, and this is one of the issues with the Australians, and certainly it's now going to be a big issue in Africa. China is buying up reserves, metal reserves, precious metal reserves, oil fields, buying any anything it can find that is going to become possibly uh, leverage in the future. 
The Russians are trying to do it with the Germans with gas, for instance. The whole thing about gas and oil sales for Russia. Um, their economy is teetering, basically, on the brink of implosion. One of the reasons I was told by a reliable source, who knows, um, one of the reasons they pull back their forces uh, from uh, the, the present situation um, in Crimea was that uh, they can't actually afford a war. So when you talk about, you know, the Russians have the F-57 jet and all that, yeah, they've got four of them. They can actually afford to build like a dozen of them, the latest jets. That's all they can afford. So they're still using Soviet era, era T-72s, T-80s and T-90s for this type of stuff. It's old, it's old kit. Because even though they've got a new tank, the, the Armata, the T-14, they don't have many of them. And it's the oldest trick in the world for the Russians, too. They did this. They fooled people during the Cold War. They had this new bomber in Moscow for the Moscow Day Parade. And so the CIA went there and there was this new bomber flew down the thing. And they had this literally one after another of this new supersonic jet flying down over the thing. And so they counted them. And they counted like, Christ, there's like 30 of these. They've got an entire squadron. Well, it wasn't. It was one. They managed to get flying and they just flew it in a big circle around. And, and it was then noted by the intelligence. They've got an entire fleet of new bombers. They didn't. So the Russians can't afford really to get into a scrap at the moment with NATO or the re now reconstituted Allied Rapid Reaction Corps, who I worked with and fought tabletop computer battles at Camberley with the Soviet Union on a tabletop computer system with the ARC. And um, the outcome of that, you can you can guess, but we'll maybe talk about that. It's a bit, are you recording this? Are you okay, okay, I'll be careful what I say then. Yeah. So um, that exercise was run uh, several times where we actually ran a European war where the Soviet Union invaded Europe. And on the last time, fully enough, we actually invited the Russians to come and play. And guess what the Russians did? They cheated. They cheated because they could. And that's not yeah. like Russia. That's not they, like Russia. They all turn up on steroids. You know, and I've got nothing against the Russian people. I have a lot of respect for the Russian people and a lot of respect for the Russian military. Um, but at the moment, they're being bankrupted by a criminal enterprise, which is going to implode on itself at some point in the proceedings. Now, the Chinese are a different kettle of fish and they have a hundred year plan. And this is all part of their hundred year plan. Um, but at the moment, just like it was... Um, the Russians and the German, the Nazi party, uh, agreeing on stuff during the Second World War. This is like a prelude to this. It's a marriage of convenience. You've got Russia in a marriage of convenience with China, joining forces to see how much pressure they can, and flexing muscles to see how the West and NATO responds. And, you know, we just have to be prepared to respond. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have to go to war. We, I don't think we will need to do that. George or is better than more war. Um, but we have to look like we're at least prepared to stand up. Uh, and the cryptocurrency thing is part of it. China would love to control the world economy. That's what they want to do. Because of the 1.4 billion people they have there, they have a, a massive workforce that they need to keep happy. Don't forget themselves. They could be the problem. Hong Kong, the reason they want to crush that is because uh, they don't want that happening in China. 
because there might be another another revolution and, and they don't want that. The Communist Party don't want so, uh, but they want to try and control and have much control that they can over the world economy. So I'm suspicious personally of this whole cryptocurrency thing. And um, the idea of having a chip put in your head so you can pay for stuff like that. I, don't, I really don't like that. I don't use face recognition or any of these things where they want to map your face uh, so you can make funny pictures on the internet. I don't do any of that. I don't want that. Um, and uh, I, I think it's um, part, I think that's all part of it. So we may not trust the old system. I'm not sure any of the new systems that are being presented are any better at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. The devil, you know, you know, better deal with the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. And um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not saying I'm not a world expert on finances. So, um, yeah, just, cryptocurrency doesn't seem any different to what we've got because we, you know, we, I mean, when was the last time you used paper money? I, I go to my wallet sometimes because I'm in some random situation. It's normally when someone's um, someone's asking me for money on the street and I'm like, oh, dude, look, I, I haven't carried money. I, I carry cash. Yeah, I, I've got a wallet of coins in the car <laughs> just just for, for uh, parking and stuff. So we don't use cash anyway, really. Um, we give it to people for birthdays and stuff. We give it to the kids for their, you know, we give them a tenner for their birthday or something. Um, so it, all our currency is ones and zeros on the internet. Yeah. And it's all controlled by, you know, it's, it, 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 it's controlled, it's out of your control. So like I say, I think unless it goes into, into the blockchain or a blockchain, it's, it seems just, you know, and well, the, well, cryptocurrency the, seems just as volatile and dangerous and, and controlling as what i'm trying to say yeah i mean i know this should be true because uh, i talked to somebody who was involved with it um there was a story about uh, uh, the cia giving the shah of iran um uh, piles of the paper which make hundred dollar bills and the ink and everything and the printers to actually print his own hundred dollar bills that was a story. I actually met somebody from the FBI that was sent to Iran to investigate it. And one of the things that they discovered was that uh, uh, the old dollar bills that were being printed, they were so good because they were actually made and all the paper with all the numbers were right, that there are people that have safety deposit boxes and banks have piles of $100 bills that are $100 bills. They, they weren't made in America, put it that way. They were made in Iran. So when the Shah fell, the Iranians just carried on pumping out under-dollar bills. So the Iranians are the best counterfeiters of under-dollar bills in existence because they actually have the printers and the paper and the ink and everything to do it with. So they've been turning out under-dollar bills like it's going out of fashion. So it can happen. The criminals will find a way to shortcut the system mm -hmm. and uh, do what they, and if they can do it with, with uh, that, they can do it with it. Oh, Mark, off, off the back of that, and there's a letter, like a letter of the alphabet we discussed earlier. Please don't mention that because it's it's persona non grata in uh, in podcasting uh, on podcasting platforms, unfortunately. But, you know, this is we. we yes. Anyway, I'll, let's not go there. But what's your view then on celebrities? I mean, you're a Hollywood celebrity yourself you're you're certainly involved in the film industry um five blockbuster 
movies under your belt and friends at home if you're watching this separately we're talking transformers um etc etc what's your views on celebrities getting dragged out their houses uh incarcerated in guantanamo bay and let's say executed for for crimes against i don't want to say the i can't bear to say the word but let's just say minors well i think i told you i think there's been a couple of attempts uh, directly to me um, and what you just said was one of the things that, that they said to me that I must know as somebody that has spent 20 odd years in Hollywood I know this as a fact and um, it's total and utter gibberish absolutely baseless rubbish I do not even understand how it got any traction at all there are issues we know that because of Harvey Weinstein's in jail and there's various other things uh, uh, like that that people have been found out and ended up going to, to prison for it. Um, and they will. Um, but the idea that you could just pick some, you know, somebody off the street, I'm not even going to say a name because I, I don't want to get them associated. With no, them. let's not do that. And, um, you could just pick them up and drag them off and send them off to Guantanamo and, and uh, uh, erase them. It's just ridiculous. Don't you, don't they think that TMZ or, or the Hollywood Reporter, or somebody would just go, oh, some so disappeared off the face of the planet. We don't know where they went. Don't you think that would be news? Don't think, you think? Um, in, in fairness, uh, or oh, sorry, to just try and, you know, see, see it from both sides, I think they think that, well, let's just say mainstream media isn't as popular these days as it, as it was, say, when I was a child, when you believed everything that box in the corner of the room told you. Um, some things were incredibly far-fetched, such yeah. as, uh, you know, small steps for men and all this sort of stuff. And, and yet we just believed it because we, we saw it and, and we didn't know any, any. We took that as authority. Right. Now, people are, are quite pissed off with it, to, to put it blankly, you know, to keep being lied to on a mass scale. And so their their comeback to you would be where well, you're not going to see this on CNN. You're not going to see it in the mainstream because. It's the mainstream trying to cover it up, Mark. Do you, does, does that make sense? Yeah, but my my thing is relationships with real human beings. Uh, if somebody famous, and I know several famous people, um, disappeared, I would know about it because they wouldn't answer my phone calls or my emails or whatever, you know, stuff like that. I would know because somebody within that circle would go, guess what happened? The FBI turned up or somebody turned up and they, well, I would know. And... It's, but the idea, to be honest with you, is so laughable that somehow there's a part of the government, and the, and the government can be blamed for all kinds of conspiracies. We talked about the ATIP thing earlier on. I don't know if you want to go back there, but we can talk about it. Um, uh, that somehow they could get it together to do this um, and hide it uh, 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 is so laughable if you've actually worked with any of these organizations which uh, i have I'll, I'll some of the three letters i can tell you like some of the i'm careful what i mention but i they, they don't work like that they don't they don't operate like that there's so many watchdogs breathing down their necks um nowadays there's so many people walking about with video cameras on their phones that what just happened to this to, to Chauvin? You can't you can't get away with that. So the idea you could do it to somebody famous, and that that doesn't somehow get covered, reported, or otherwise, 
I don't base my view of what we're talking about on what I hear in the media. I base it on what I know as a reality living in Hollywood for 20 odd years. I've, I've yeah. never heard, and I certainly don't even believe that it's possible. What do you think their agents would be doing? What do you think that, you know, the people around them would be doing if that happened? You don't think the agents would be making calls and going, I want my 10%. Where's my, where's my client gone? No, PRP. No, it just defies reality. Yeah. Again, for the sake of clarity, people know my views on it. Everything you see in life is a distraction. Everything. Even if that doesn't mean it's not happening. You know, I mean, these wars happen, whether they're whether they're uh, valid or not is a completely different, <laughs> different <laughs> argument. Right. But they happen. But the but off the back of a lot of these these things that are put in front of you, especially if they're put in front of you by mainstream media, it's about distracting you. And as I always say, distracting you from the money supply, the money supply enslaves everybody. We're not just talking minors. We're not just talking, you know, celebrities with their what their alleged vices or whatever it might be. There's all this. You see a lot of stuff about societies and and, um, you know, and 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 there are so many interwoven narratives. You know, we talked earlier about all the all the symbolism. You know, I'm not going to say any more, but people either you either know what I'm talking about or you don't. But again, doesn't it, you know, whether these people are Satan worshippers or whether it's just all put out as a distraction, purpose personally, I think I think a lot of the, this this stuff, if we call it, I do think it's put out to divide society. I think it's put out. You know, I watched a horror film the other night, Mark, and I haven't watched one for years. I tell you what, I physically felt sick. Now that I live a more kind of spiritual and pure and happy um, life, I try and take care of myself as best I, best I can to the best of my human ability. You know, I, I kind of live in the light a bit, a lot more than, than, than I have for 30 years. And God, I watched this film. It was a Stephen King film. Oh, Jesus Christ, you don't need that shit in here. Oh, I'm not saying people can't watch horrors, folks, or dress in skulls and, or, you know, be doing the sign of the devil man. And, you know, it, it, this stuff's been around a long time in various forms. But it's, it's like I say, there's so many just different agendas. But overall, I think it's dividing control. And I think it's look at the, what the left hand is doing and don't, don't look at the right. I would encourage people if they if they are interested in the issue we've been talking about. So we're talking the the, the slavery and the um, I don't want to say the buzzwords, but but I'll say it trafficking. Watch a video I did the other day. I did a video on this film that's coming out. It's called Sound of Freedom, and everyone's putting their money on this. That this is going to end the problem, and I'm telling you. You're just looking at the left hand. I've no doubt it'll solve some things. You know, it'll it'll kind of maybe wake a few pe pe people up because it's it's an issue. You know, um, I think we should acknowledge, Mark, that trafficking goes on. It's one of the biggest kind of crimes in in the world. So we're we're not saying that doesn't happen, folks. We're just saying this Hollywood celebrity thing. Uh, from what Mark's experience, and, and he lives there, um, from, you know, Mark hasn't seen it. I can't comment because I don't live there and I, 
I I think I know two celebrities, Robbie Williams and, and Marcus is, is is the other one. So I'm I'm not prepared to I don't comment things I I haven't got a grip on. Well they, um, they, let's just go back to a couple of things but so we can so we can clear this up. And I, again I, I want to state emphatically in 20 odd plus years of me living in Los Angeles and, and both working as a in the film and television industry and as a licensed private investigator, I have been into some incredibly dark and strange situations. What is being proposed in some of these ideas is absolutely, totally ludicrous. And um, I'm sorry to if it sounds like I'm being sneering about it. I, I'm not, because I do understand there are real horror stories and they're real, real homicides and there are real bad situations yeah um but let's for instance just just and I'm not, again i don't want to sideline it los angeles and the catholic church in los angeles paid one of the largest payoffs in history to about 270 children that had been sexually molested by a priest who they then hid that and put that away to one side they paid all the kids off so let's start there. That was the most expensive one following Boston, where the Catholic Church, again, paid off everybody, dumped the money so that they didn't have to actually own up and say, yeah, the priest did, we have the records of that. But it's still efforts. So if it's a distraction, let's, let's, I'd rather deal with some of those issues, which was to do with the priests and all that kind of stuff. And why is that not being dealt with? Why are those priests not on trial? Why are they not in prison? Let's deal with that. You know what I mean? That's that's a real conspiracy. We know that happened, and we know that people were paid off to to keep their mouths shut. So we know that happened. This, though, however, and if that came to light after all of these years, if that particular situation uh, came to light, then I'm sure that this somehow would find its way poking through. It would it would make its way, and I've never seen. I've, I've it's never even been mentioned. I've dealt with some pretty horrendous situations, including multiple homicide and this uh we know for instance the i'll tell you what i feel about it chris it's usually driven by two things you've got one thing the money the other thing is sex so for instance just to give some history to this anton lavey who ran the church of satan in san francisco actually got a church of satan in san francisco because it's not illegal to have an actual church or a coven or whatever in california you can actually be allowed to do that it becomes a tax-free enterprise anton levey started the church of satan in san francisco was it really about satan well i don't as you know i don't believe in satan so i don't think that's any relevance but it's about six <laughs> it's about six the last group that got thrown out this poor girl that was into this snm celebrity group that turned out she but you know it was about six it wasn't about, you know, a real spiritual awakening of women and all that kind of stuff. It was just about kinky sex. So a lot of the time, some of this goes on about it's that. It's to do with actual sexual manipulation of innocent women or whatever. Now, it's as we know now, a lot of this, you know, not Me Too, the Me Too movement and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's You can't hide this. Yes, there are instances where people get paid to be quiet, but it, that's getting more and more difficult to do. And it's difficult, but however, it's difficult to prove in court. It can be fought in court. So um, 
but this on a scale to which they're suggesting that some person that apparently once had a clearance to something might somehow um, have, um, funny enough, supporting a person who has been bankrupted God knows how many times, has got X amount of thousand cases against him, that uh, his business is a bankrupt at a casino, for instance, shit like that. Somehow that bloke is going to put this right. Are you kidding me? Really? Seriously? This bloke? The bloke that collapsed the... What, really? Oh, no. No, it doesn't make any sense to me, Chris. None at all. Yes, got you. One second, I was just... While you're talking, I'm just look, seeing if we've got some Anton LeVay stuff I, I could um, bring up, but I think that's going to get us into... Uh, Okay, very into a whole another thing again. Um, Mark, thank you very much. Just just for covering that for friends at home. Listen, don't don't. I'm 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 about the truth. I'm about the real truth. I'm not about jumping on this pony, or, and then go no no um, no. This is like I I think we're I think we're all being controlled. I think uh, like I say, if people are not prepared to look at the basics. That, uh, th this is what corrupts everyone. This is what creates blackmail. This is what creates damaged, traumatized childhoods. This is what creates domestic abuse, you know, other factors as well. And I, I honestly think while everyone's watching the left hand, that's, that's a narrative and, and, and to a degree, various medias get involved, which is just confusing enough again, but I, I think it's the right hand um, we need to focus on. So, Mark, thank you for giving us your giving us your insight. I'm going to give you another little segment very quickly. Just give me three minutes, and and I'll just because I'm an expert. Um, let's just put this into some kind of context. Okay. During the Second World War, are you one sec, one sec, just go again. Sorry. Okay, no problem. Let's just this put this into some kind of context. During the Second World War, Winston Churchill uh, got a, put together a group called the London Controlling Section. The London controlling section's job was to interject every manner of psychological warfare idea into protecting D-Day. One of the things they understood was that the, the Nazi regime was based loosely on some kind of pagan uh, cult. Non Certainly the SS was, the, uh, the SS runes were actually runes, didn't mean SS, were actually lightning runes. Um, at Vowelsburg Castle. So they knew that Himmler was an avowed occultist. So Churchill, being the ruthless person that he was, but also the brilliant person that he was, span that around. And the London controlling section gathered together the best magicians they could in the United Kingdom to wage occult psychic warfare on the Nazi regime. Involved with that was many people, absolutely, was many people, including Alistair Crowley, who was apparently tipped to uh, debrief Rudolf Hess in Scotland. Uh, and he was actually recommended for the job by uh, Ian, no less than Ian Fleming. So um, the occult warfare idea, uh, which is as old as the hills, was utilised by the British against the Nazi regime and chief amongst those guys was a guy called Colonel Kim Seymour who I've promoted a lot because he's an actually unsung hero of the second world war and the whole idea was that Colonel Kim Seymour gathered magicians together and acted basically as an occult Alan Turing and the whole effort was to spin away 
focus from the fact that we were decoding the German Enigma codes and we were actually trying to sell the idea that we were reading their minds. <coughs> so Colonel Kim Seymour, I've likened to uh, the equivalent of Alan Turing because he became the lightning rod for the German occult effort. It took me a long time to find his grave because he was buried in secret under a woman's name in West London. I know where he is now. I've been there. I've got a copy of his grave registration. So Colonel Kim Seymour was an unsung hero of the Second World War, died in 43. Lots of rumours about how he died, whether he died of a cerebral hemorrhage. But the idea that you spin off somebody else's belief system <coughs> for your own purposes, which in this purpose was we didn't want the Germans to know we were reading their radio traffic. So we used occult warfare to do it. We made them believe that we were actually attacking them psychically. So this idea is as old as the hills and, and it worked. D-Day worked because of what they managed to, it was one element, one layer of a psychological warfare operation that was the most successful in human history. We managed to land a bloody army on the French coast when the Germans knew it was coming, they just didn't know where and they didn't know when but they knew it was coming and we still did it. So um, the fact is it works. People will believe it because of their perceptions. And certainly Adolf Hitler believed it. Certainly Himmler believed it. And Rommel went home to see his wife. So as a technical uh, term in the military sphere, occult warfare works. And that's what we, I, from my viewpoint, historically, both from my background, that's what I see what this is. I see it's, it, it is what Chris is saying. It's a deflection. What it's a deflection from, you know, I'll leave others to, I know what I believe, but it's it's a deflection from what is going to be sadly a, a, an ugly truth, which will be probably exposed in the next four years during the Biden administration. Do you think, you, are you referring to the Russia thing again or... or... Well, I think the Russian thing is very much a part of it. Were, were the Russians involved with all of that? Absolutely. Did, did they try to infiltrate the NRA? Certainly they did. We know they did because she got arrested and got shit back. Were they pouring money into things? Uh, yes, like crazy. Uh, did they try and hack in the systems? Yeah. It, we, we've been in a, in a, since the war came down, I would say, we've been in a, a state of open warfare, really. And it didn't, it's not raised its head in what we call now hybrid uh, warfare, um, asymmetrical hybrid warfare uh, since the last decade. But really we've been in, in this state for the last 10 years. Britain, and I don't mean this to sound cruel, has been kind of asleep uh, uh, in a bit of a coma thinking, you know, oh, it's all gone away now. The war came down, everybody's happy. It never went away. The, there's elements of the Putin regime that want revenge and want control and, and you know, are willing to go quite a long way. But the cheekiness of it is that they're willing to send people to the UK to murder people on the streets of Britain, and we seem to be powerless to do that much about it. I think that is about to change, though, with the new military doctrine which just been came out. I think there's going to be a little change in the way that we operate that way. But anyway... You, it's just you mean opinion. with respect to our, um, our secret agents being able to not to bump people off if they, if they feel they need to? So real sort of James Bond stuff. I think the word, which it might become, um, uh, I actually have a company called this, so I, I, I don't want to get, but the word is interdiction. 
if you can the RAF use it a lot they love it you know the the, the pilots use interdiction uh, if you can interdict somebody uh, which means to deny them access or to deny them the space to carry out their mission then that's also a success so we don't necessarily want to be you know uh, there's lots of ways to unplug people uh, financially and all kinds of other stuff without necessarily having to you know um, end up with it being the ultimate ending but if we can interdict some of this and not be afraid of interdicting it um because we might upset somebody you know you know uh then i think britain needs to take a much firmer and direct stance on that and we will need our allies this is the mad thing about all of this I, i've said this to people if you don't think you're going to need the dutch air force or, and the dutch navy and the french navy and the german uh, uh, soldiers if you think we can do this on our own you are mistaken yeah this is um we're kind of stepping into another pie here that i'm i've got running with a chap called david ellis who's a uh let's call him a military commentator and this guy is just it blows your mind he knows everything every policy every chat in parliament every faux pas that these these sad politicians commit and and blah 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 but um we've been talking a lot about if people think we're leaving europe they're absolutely mental that our armed forces are already committed to the european union to the european defense force that we're going to see a a kind of um um unification a standardizing of frontline forces in, in, in the tier system, so special forces tier one, elite forces tier two, those that follow tier three, that, that then links in with the European Defence Force. This push into the Sahara and into east of Africa to meet the this this let's just call it an alleged threat from 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 the east. I I'm just totally of the belief it's this narrative. Um, it, it's just all so bloody clever. And the fact that we've all got the television set in our front room now is, like you said, about the, the recognition technology is frightening in itself. We've now everyone's 99% uh, of people just seem willing to bow down and completely give their freedom away, which is mental in itself. But but I kind of get it because there's probably a time in my life when I would have been one of those, you know, what one of these individuals. But um should we leave it there, Mark? Is that a good? Uh, we uh, we stirred the pot. Yeah, I'll just I'll just put this note on it towards the end for anybody out there that is is listening to this, what you just said about the European Army. Having worked with the Ark several times, we were able to put together a fighting force to counter <coughs> in Europe, which was everybody in Europe that was part of NATO, which was the Allied Rapid Reaction Corps, which is just about to get reconstituted. There's a reason for that, right? Uh, the arc, the exercises that I worked on could not stop the then Soviet Union from invading Europe. The alternative was, guess what? An irradiation of the whole of Europe. Which would you rather have? Which, which, which would you like? You know what I mean? Choose your, choose your poison. And so um, we could have held them back, even with everything that Britain had, everything that Europe had if they reconstituted like that, uh, but not for long. And it would have gone to the next stage. And I know that I don't want that. So uh, we have to have a, a firm together 
stance where we can go, no, this is going to be too expensive for you to do this. And that just happened. They just happened. They're withdrawing troops right now from these borders because it's too expensive for them to fight uh, and carry out what they want. So we just have to, this idea, you know, uh, it's our fish. You know, how, how do you police a fish, a cod? Does it, is it going to be an out? How do you police that? You've got fleets of Chinese fishing ships, factory ships hoovering up cod out of the North Sea. What are you going to do? Send them, what are you going to do? I don't know. It's going to be, it's a curious situation. But anyway, I'll, I'll let you edit that in or out, however you want, Chris. Yeah, no, no. It's um, like I say, we, we've got to listen. We've got to be prepared to listen. It's all in a community, you know, my... My old dad said, communication is everything. Not that Britain, just to be clear, and I, your mate, I'd love to pose him this question. Mark Ryan said the chances that we could actually launch our Polaris, Trident, uh, whatever, without approval from the United States is barely believable. So Britain thinks it's got an independent deterrent, right? But I know, because I've been there, where those things are tested and who tests them and who makes sure that they actually work. And it's not done in the United Kingdom. So no. um, so the idea that Britain has an independent new, you know, we're part of a, an independent thing. We can do this on our own. Nobody can do it on their own anymore. Nobody. We need allies. We need to be friends with people. We're going to need them. You know, I mean, it was only a couple of years ago that we're landing our aircraft on French aircraft carriers because we didn't have an aircraft carrier. Now we've got two. But a few years ago, we were landing our jets on French aircraft carriers because we had the aircraft, but we didn't have the carriers. So um, we will, at some point, need people's help. It might even be the French because we drink their wine. Yes. Gosh, folks, I'm trying to pick my way through this as much as you are. It's... Um... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I my overarching or over my umbrella thoughts is like, oh my god! I think mean, like George Carlin said, when when the end of the world comes, he's gonna sit on a on a hillside, laughing his ass off, going, "You stupid dumb! I did you not see this was gonna happen?" Right, George Carlin, very yes. funny. Anyway, right, where do you want to go now? Yes, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna go, and cut. Now, 